It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Gobert rolling lane, finds Ingles. Feeder set in the left corner, and the ball is wet. Splash. Utah is back within seven, and a timeout by Mike Brown. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. It is locked on Jazz for the 5th of May. The Jazz getting ready for Game 2 against the vaunted Golden State Warriors. We'll break down what I saw in Game 1. Take your questions on a Thursday Facebook Live edition. It's all coming up on Locked on Jazz. Pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks very much for tuning in today. Glad to have you aboard. Ready to fire it up for you as we get ready for Game 2 of the Jazz and the Warriors Western Conference Semifinals. Today's show is brought to you by Jamalto, the digital leaders in security for your company, making sure that all of your data is encrypted safe and in good spots. Dan Spence is our local regional sales manager in Utah. We appreciate him. All right, throw in your questions on Facebook Live as well, and uh, we'll take all of those. I'll give you some thoughts that I have coming to you from uh, watching game one. Overall, I thought we played pretty well. I mean, it's really, I actually find that that aspect of things a bit daunting. It's just uh, a tribute to them that, you know, there's a bunch of things I thought we did really well, and we're down 20. Uh, And you're not watching it thinking to yourself, boy, we were not focused or this or that. So I'll walk through some of the things uh, that I saw on the broadcast. If you would like to advertise on Locked On Jazz during the playoffs, we have some inventory that is open for you. Uh, You're welcome to jump aboard. You can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Our audience is about 98% male to the women out there. We don't mean that in any disrespect. Uh, It's about 76% between the ages of 25 and 54, 74% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you're looking for that male, demographic you can nail it uh, and be a part of fun time email me at dlock09 at gmail.com alright let's head over to the uh, little pins across the world and get everybody's uh, latest pins I feel like I should go old school pin or I'm not sure what I should do I was kind of thinking about it but let's go to an Irish edition from Connor. Stick a pin in Dublin, Ireland. My fan story might be a bit different, but maybe repeated in years to come. In September of 2014, I got a job in Provo-based software company. I was told I would spend three months in Utah like a true 
red-blooded male. I've looked at the sports in the region. We arranged a trip to a jazz game visit versus LeBron and the Cavs. When the buzzer beater went in, I was hooked for life. It was enough to return a year later to see us win versus the Raptors. I regularly watch at the weekend via NBA League Pass. The playoffs have been a struggle, but I've seen the last two games, and we've uh, been two heavyweight bouts. Uh, shout out to my buddies in Utah who humor me with Jazz Talk, ex- specifically Austin and Provo and Phil in Dublin. P.S. The company we work for is Qualtrics, so when the sponsorship was announced, it was extra special. Thank you. And by the way, a dollar to all of the nightlife shirts that are being sold. Go to Qualtrics's uh, five uh, fight for on the cancer end of things. So uh, thank you so much for your daily insight in the Jazz. Uh, that's in Dublin, Ireland. That's from Connor Dowling, and that is your pin across the world. All right, let me go through some of my thoughts that I had while watching uh, the game, uh, re-watching game number one. First off, I thought we were good. I know that's kind of a bummer. It'd probably be better if I came out and said I thought we were terrible and that the Warriors are so uh, – we got them. We can fix this. And I, I didn't I, – I, I actually thought we were pretty good. The, the stunning thing of watching the Warriors is the rebounding go. Whoever rebounds for them just goes and brings it up the floor. And so differently than the Clippers where everything's set in that one play. I talk about this with a scout on Lockdown NBA this week. Uh, and you can, you can grab that interview if you'd like to. Uh, it, and subscribe at Lockdown NBA. The, it, it's just stunning. It's Curry. It's Draymond. It's Clay. It doesn't matter. Who, it's Durant. Whoever rebounds goes. And so when they go... Now you're in this immediate scramble to get back defensively and build a wall. I actually thought we did a half-decent job. Zaza outran Rudy once in the first quarter, uh, which is hard because, you know, that doesn't usually happen in the sense that you end up with four guys uh, matched up. So you got to match to Curry. you got to match to Clay. Draymond has the ball. you got to match to him. you got to match to Durant. And then Zaza has a step on Rudy because they battled for a rebound. Like, and he runs right by him. Like, it looks terrible, but it's so reasonable. Like, I back that up. Like, well, who's – no one can bump out into the middle of the lane or else they're leaving Steph open for a three. It's, it's just tough. Uh, the Warriors defensively denied our wings and got up on Rudy at 35 feet in a way that I haven't seen – Many people do so far. Um, and so I, that, I'll be serious to see how we adapt to that. That seemed to kind of dislodge what we were trying to do offensively a little bit. Uh, Rudy Zaza was up on Rudy at, at 40 feet, like right up on the half line. Uh, they were denying that wing pass. And so let's see what an adjustment we make in that regard. It might be a quick-hitting pick, but you can't really have Rudy playing off the bounce. So I'm not sure... How you would deal with this. Um, they play, I wrote down, they play with such force it rushes you. It does. Um, and uh, one of the things about, you know, they give you this, it's tough. They give you this early look and you feel like you got a jacket. And then you're out of rhythm. And then you don't make your shots. And then you're playing too fast. But that's your early look, and if you don't take that early look, you get it all stagnant in their defense. You don't get another look. So what do you do? Right? What do you do? Do you take that early look, and now you're kind of out of your game and you've sped up the way they do it? You've got to have this balance of – but then everyone's got to collectively have this balance, which is what gets crazy. So, like, if Gordon's got his balance, but George's got his balance, and it's hard. 
I thought George could have been a little better. Uh, now, I've never had to guard Steph Curry. But it almost looked like five possessions in, George was tired, which he might have been, frankly, chasing Steph Curry. There was just a, an offensive possession that I thought we um, that we kind of just kind of threw, like, he can't, he slow into it. I know Quinn really wants us into stuff earlier in this possession, in this series. Uh, came off the pick, but not with a lot of zest. They didn't, Draymond got back in front very easily. And by the time, so there was just a few of those. I'm asking a lot. He's guarding Steph on the other side. And I, and did a pretty good job. Uh, but that was, and you know, you just have to be attached to Steph all the time. You, you blink for one second. Mikhail said it in the broadcast. And, Poppy's open. I mean, that's a t- that was a tough play, the one I'm thinking about. Uh, the Warriors' defense, and I don't know if you ever get used to this. The The Clippers did some things defensively, and you kind of thought to yourself, well, the more you play them, you're going to get used to it. They do some really interesting things off the ball. It's worth watching for a possession or two tonight if you're watching the game or listening. You know, I can't really tell you about listening to the radio. Um they pass off their defenders all the time. So if the ball's at the top right and, you know, George Hill's guarding Steph and Zaza comes up to set a pit, or we have the ball, sorry. George has the ball and he's working some with Joe Ingles. Well, the, all the action that's going on underneath, the Warriors are just passing guys off. They, it's not that they switch on the ball every play. They switch all the time everywhere. Um, and... So they're just passing guys off, which makes it hard to try to figure out if you're trying to attack something specific, what you're going after. And so you probably have, and some of our sets were, some of our matchups, and they worked, we're trying to take advantage of certain things. Draymond never guards his man. Draymond's kind of just floating in the middle. And so that's why Joe Johnson got three of six from three is because <clears throat> Draymond kind of leaves his man because he's wrecking havoc everywhere else. There was a possession where Draymond guarded George Hill to start. No, Gordon Hayward to start. Then he went to Rudy Gobert. Then he switched to George Hill. Then he switched back to Gordon Hayward. And then he finished on Rudy Gobert. He's incredible. That's all in one possession. And it wrecks havoc on everything you're doing because they're just tapping out, switching, and, and doing all of that. And it makes it, it makes it really, really difficult offensively to get your vibe uh, where you're going. I mean, and truly, if we can make some shots offensively and get things going offensively, we get in a half-court defense, we've been pretty good. We were all right in game one. The problem is the turnovers, they turn 25% of all misses into, uh, you know, 25% of all misses into transition opportunities. And then they are incredible in transition. Um, it's an interesting possession just to get kind of a concept of where, how good they are defensively and what they can do defensively. Gordon has the ball left mid-block. He's guarded by Steph. We're like, great. Draymond comes over and is now on... So, uh, Actually, Gordon's right... Doesn't matter. But Gordon was right block in this case. Sorry, I said it wrong. He's on right, mid-right block. Steph Curry guarding him. Draymond comes over and stands on the right side of the paint. Okay, well now you can't drive. You might want to... Bogart, Steph, beat him in. You can't drive. So you've got Joe Johnson in the left corner. You've got Joe Ingles in the high quadrant left side. And they have Kevin Durant on the other side, seven foot one, stretched out, basically standing in between of those two guys. And it was incredible that from where Gordon was, there was very little, little passing angle. And there, 
you're go- and what you have to, what's going to happen is you're going to make that pass, which and then the rim's actually blocking you a little bit on one of your passing range. Draymond's in a passing lane a little bit unless you arc it, and if you put arc on it, then Durant's going to get back to one of those two guys with his length, and Draymond's going to get back to the other, and they're that good that they communicate it. And that's where they're just their defense is so good, is that you've got right block, here's your mismatch, Gordon being guarded by Steph, Draymond comes over, they mark up on the shooter at the top side, your, your easy pass out, Durant is so long at 7-1 that he's able to guard both guys behind you. And because these 7-1, because Draymond's there, to get the ball on a skip pass, you're going to have to put enough air under it that Durant can get out, Draymond can release back, and... Or frankly, Steph might release back, and then Draymond stays on Gordon, knowing these guys, they just touch and tap and do all those things, and it really becomes uh, something else. So those were the things I noticed. Um, you know, it's interesting to watch. It's, if you really get into it, watching what they do is, is fabulous, and it's, it's, it is somewhat unprecedented. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Jamalta, the global leader in digital security, bringing trust to an increasingly connected uh, world. They deliver a vast range of technology services to businesses, governments, big time, big time companies. I mean, I'm talking here in the Bay Area where it's all going on. They're they're partnering with you know huge companies. They have over 300 partners globally. IBM, Oracle, Palo Alto Networks, NetApp, uh, big time companies, and they're going to work on uh, controlling your access and protecting identities. They're going to secure, manage uh, your crypto keys, and they are going to make sure um, that your, all your data is encrypted so that when the breach happens, your company is safe. The, the data is, is telling. 1.4 billion records were compromised just last year in 2016 as a result of 1,800 data breaches. Uh, the number of compromised records increased by 86% compared to a previous year. So the breaches are happening. What you have to do is you've got to protect for when the breach happens so that your company and all the data is safe. You're going to work on a three-step process that I just talked about to be able to make sure your company's there, and that's it's that model that has turned Jamalto into the global leader. Dan Spence is our regional sales manager here in Utah, and you can reach Dan at 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. Every second, 41 records are lost or stolen. Don't be a part of it. Have Jamalto help you out. All right, let's go to your questions. Uh, where's Matt Moon? There he is. Can you introduce me to Joe Ingles? No. Um, I knew this series was likely to be ugly, but man, what? We played well in game one. They're great. I mean, game one was a pretty tough scenario for us. Uh, why does Gordon shoot so terribly? poorly against Golden State. I think this will be interesting to see because Gordon, as the series in uh, L.A. moved on, he got better and better of dealing with that um, and and figured out, as did Quinn, ways to get him open. I don't know if those same things are available. Uh, Against the Warriors, he's guarded to start the game by Draymond Green and followed by Andre Iguodala. And then Clay Thompson gets some time on him. So those three are probably as good on-ball defenders as there are in the league. So that's going to be part of it. Uh, and then their switching is is what it is. But no, Gordon has not. If you go take 
<clears throat> Gordon's last, not including the playoff game, Gordon's last five games against the Warriors are not good. Uh, he is shooting uh, 30% and 23% from three in those five games. Uh, one, it's That's a six games. That's a little cheesy on my part because you're grabbing a three of 13 game out of the back end of 2015 and not taking any of the other three that year. So in all fairness, I should just say, you know, over the last two seasons, uh, which would be a much better break. It's still not good. It's 32% and 23% from three and then not very good in, in the other game. So uh, this year's data is hard. He didn't play a single minute with George Hill during the year. Uh, they, they did not play together. Last year, though, he did not, he did not play particularly well. Uh, or shoot particularly well against Golden State. I always hate that, uh, that we just automatically equate whether you played well or not equal to whether you shot well or not. There's a lot of other things to it. Uh, should we play Rudy and Faves together? So, uh, I guess the argument would be you play them together because then you can pound them uh, on the glass. The other argument would be you play them together because then if you overextend defensively and they drive by, uh, you have another rim protector. But who's guarding whom? So Derek's opening on Draymond. And the way Derek's running right now, uh, and with a sore back, that would be an awful big ask. And uh, how about our transition defense? Right, So you're going to play two bigs down around the basket. One of the nice things about having four out is that when they miss, you're back. And so there's a rebound battle. Draymond gets it, and Derek and Draymond are in the same spot. Who's winning? Their, who's going to win the race down the floor? That's where that rebound and go is tough. Uh, cooler accent, Australian or French? I'll stay away from that. Uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Any chance we get one game? Sure. Is the bigger lineup of Rudy and Favors no longer a viable option? Place three shooters outside, punish their lack of interior defense. We just talked about that's a good question. We just talked about it a little bit. That you know, you gotta be able to defend the other way. Like, what are you doing getting back on that? How are you it's the the nice part is you can phys- make the game physical, you can beat them up, you can play that style, but how what are you doing to get back? I knew the tide turned when Rodney started attacking the rim in the third. Will Quinn look to make that part of the game plan for tonight. Sure. I mean, I, I, Joshua, you're right that Rodney had a very good third. And so if Rodney can get that going again and, and there's some capacity where that's there's an answer to why that was good, sure. I think you we're going to go back. You're going to break. you got to start breaking the paint for, to score other people's points. That's one of the things we have to look for. Uh, you know what? Hayward... Attacks the rim. Why does Hayward not attack the rim more? Hayward attacks attacks the rim a lot. I would suggest if you have a DVR that next time you watch a possession and you say to yourself, "Why doesn't Gordon attack the rim more?" You hit go back and hit pause and look at the landscape of what he was looking at to try to get to the rim. Gordon's not going to get windows to the rim very often. You just can't just you can't just go attack for the sake of attacking. If Steph Curry's if you're on the right block and guarded by Steph Curry, and Draymond Green has come over and slid over. It's a, it's a bad possession for the team for you to try to attack now into a two, into a double team. Joe Ballenboy has looked extremely athletic and strong with the ball the last couple of times we've seen him play. Uh, I know it's been garbage time, so really we should stop right there. Honestly, we should stop right there. Um, 
So it's hard to tell too much, but do you think he then asked um he has a chance to get in the rotation next year? Yes, I do. I suspect he'll be a part of the rotation. Our roster is going to have to be very different with the financial changes and we are going to have to play truly play some young guys. We keep talking about what young team we are. We're not that young. We're green, but we're not young. Next year we're going to be young again. We're going to have Bunch of guys, ball and boy, whoever, one of our draft picks probably, some other young players are going to have to be in the rotation because of the financial structure of our team. Uh, can we get our original starting lineup back now that everyone's healthy? Yeah, I, I think that window might have. I don't know if our original starting lineup is our starting lineup anymore. I think that may have changed. Are the Warriors too good? This is the first year in a long time I've tuned out of the playoffs when – and if the Jazz are related, no drama, no suspense. I mean, if you decide you don't want to watch one of the greatest teams to ever be compiled and their electric ball movement and their fabulous play, try to regain their title because the greatest player that's ever played in the history of the game is on the other side trying to carry his team, and that's no drama to you, then I'm sorry. I mean, I know it doesn't involve you, our team as in the finals as a storyline, but when the Warriors and the Cavs meet in the finals, there may be no greater storyline in the history of the league. Right, you got the Warriors with the added player trying to regain their title against the guy who's going to cement himself as the greatest player in the history of the game if he carries his team to another title. Holy smokes. Uh, not attacking is hurting us. Uh, threes led to long rebounds, and we're not making them. We need Alec Burks. Some capacity of what Alec Burks once was. Yeah, probably would it be helpful. Uh, we need to play physical. Do you agree? It's hard to play physical. They don't They don't stop moving. They're faster than us. You try to tie them up and play physical, and they get away. It's hard. And it's really hard. So, yeah, I mean, we need to be physical, grabbing hold. I mean, Quinn's talked to, you know, uh, what is it, LHM, he was saying, lock. So you lock your defender. You're basically holding him, trying to prevent them. You're never releasing them. You're hawking the ball so that their passing lanes have to be slowed a little bit. They can't be moving. And you're... You're mucking the paint, staying in the paint, staying really, leave, leaving Draymond, leaving Iguodala for those open threes, hasn't hit one in the playoffs yet, and and trying to you know deny them at the rim. The first thing the Jazz have to do is deny the rim action more than more than anything else. I thought Dante's D and energy looked good for a few minutes he played. Does his offensive liabilities keep him off the floor in this series? I think he plays as he did. Um, so he's you know he's right now he's basically your fourth guard behind Joe Ingles, or fourth wing, behind Joe Ingles, Rodney Hood, and Gordon Hayward. You're probably going to play Joe close to 30. You're going to play Rudin, uh, You're going to play Rodney, or Gordon, probably 36. You're going to play Rodney about 28. It's not, there's about eight minutes left, and he's getting them. Uh, he, he's, I don't think he's ready to play point guard in this series. Um, but he, I thought he's had his last two appearances been good. It helps he's made the two shots he's taken. Uh, but he, I thought his last few appearances have been good. What sucks is I think we can beat anyone else that is left if we could only figure out a way to get past the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, I actually think the Clippers series made me think we might be the second-best team in the West. We have to beat the Rockets in a series and beat the Spurs in a series. It would be very hard, but uh, I think those would be seven-game series. I think we could play with those teams. And uh, the injuries prevented us from getting a second or third seed, which would have been hard considering how many games those guys won. So, give, you know, let's not discredit what they've done. That's a little bit of a selfish inward look on the world and not very Covey-esque of looking out toward 
you know other people's lenses the uh to say that but i i do think i i think we're better i believe we're better now than i thought we were at any point all season watching us play in the playoffs uh but um but i don't disagree with the concept uh why isn't exon playing he is playing whose minutes should he be playing ahead of i guess would be what i'm asking you and if you answer mac um Dante's point guard play is not good. It has not been consistently good, and you're, the number one thing you're trying to stay away from right now is live ball turnovers, and that is Dante's biggest bugaboo when the ball is in his hands as a point guard right now. So that's – I don't think that's – I mean, he'll play – he snuck him in there a little bit for it the other day. Um, but if he's playing your point, Joe Ingles is, or Gordon Hayward has handling the ball. And – uh, so that would be one option, just to be long in that way defensively. But he's he's not bringing the ball up the floor. He's not getting driving in and getting caught in the air. Those are those are points the other way automatically against this team. So I think he is playing. I mean, he's got he got some minutes the other night. He, and I I don't know how many minutes you want him to play and whose minutes you want him to play. How valuable is the playoff experience? Uh, is it important for us to at least compete to help convince Gordon to stay? Certainly. I mean, I, we, in the last three years, there's nothing more we could have done to get Gordon to stay. He's got the right to go. Would love to see Axum get more time. All right, we're all in love with Dante, but somebody better give me a realistic scenario of where, of, of where they think um, those minutes are coming from. And, I mean, I don't want to be a – this is what happens. This is why some people think that I am, like, don't love Dante. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I would – like him to do well, uh, but it's a little bit of the excessive love for him for a player who shoots 29% from three uh, and, you know, turns the ball over at a higher rate than we would like, uh, asking for more time. Tell me, tell me whose time he's getting, and then I'm interested. I think he's played well the last two times. I think he's earning more time on the floor uh, in this series, I think I, I think what we've seen out of him the last few games has been really positive and really, you know, maybe more importantly, mature. But, you know, you got to tell me whose minutes he's getting. Does Hayward need to score 40 for us to win? Well, I doubt anyone scored 40 on the Warriors all year. Maybe Lillard. Just bring the ball up and go. He's not scoring 40. Uh, let's hope Ingles can get under Draymond's screen, st- skin. That's probably tough to do. Maybe he can pull something while he's flopping across the court. Is it is it possible for Iso Joe to take over in one of these games? It seems like he can only get mismatches when the one switches on him. Any other switch isn't really a mismatch. Well, I think it's very difficult for two reasons: one, Durant starting on him, and two, we talked. I talked about that. The Warriors tap out and switch out all the time. It's almost impossible to find those mismatches, because they're switching who's defending whom all the time. And if it's Curry that you're trying to get, you are trying to get Curry, they'll get Draymond over there pretty fast. They're the number two defensive team in the league for a reason. If they're good at switching, why are we playing so slowly of allowing them to switch? That's Brandon, it's a great question, but that's kind of what I got into early is Okay, you get this early look, and you want to just pull and hit it because it's very hard to get the secondary look. Now you're playing fast. Now you're playing their game. You miss, they're gone. Your floor is not balanced. So you get caught in this quandary against them. You know, this isn't, let me remind you, 
They're 207 and 39 in the last two years in the regular season. They're 114 and 9 at home. These are not problems unique to us. I mean, that's a good question, but that's the trick, okay? So I now speed it up to get an early look. Now I'm playing their game. Now I lose by 30. How do the Jazz stop slow Golden State's fast break? It's an offense. You stop the fast break offensively. Can't have live ball turnovers. Got to try to knock down some shots at a higher rate. Do you pressure the rebounder and hinder the outlet pass? There is no outlet pass. They rebound and go. Their rebounder grabs it and goes. They almost never throw an outlet pass. You got to get back and build a wall and mark up the best you can. And 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 I and we actually did a half decent job on that. Uh, and got them into the half court unless it was a live ball turnover. Then they scored every time. What is your opinion of super teams? I hate it. I think it's existed forever. I think it's a joke that. Larry Bird or Magic Johnson or any of these people who played with three other Hall of Famers claims that this is new. Um, I think you hate it because it's not your team. Uh, and I, 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 think it's the, I think it's the way the game's always been. Right? Now, some of those super teams were put together, weren't put together by, oh, but there's free agents. That's only because we didn't allow player movement. Right? The Lakers and Celtics didn't get put together by free agency because they weren't allowed to. Now now they actually can do it. They have the freedom of movement. I feel like KD is an X factor. Pretty good X factor. Scobert need more touches to put pressure on the rim and open up more outside shots for his teammates. I thought Rudy got a lot of touches. Rudy was rolling to the basket, making being forced to make plays at 10, 12 feet. Um... So I, I don't see, I don't think we want Rudy having to make decisions. A lot of these questions are the same. I think I've got to them. So let me start flying through them a little bit. Start. Yeah, whatever. All right, I'm going to start getting bitter with some of this. Uh, do you expect Rudy to have a more of an impact in game one, how can he affect game two in a more meaningful way? I, I don't have, like, guys, we played well in game one. I I know we're searching for answers, and I'm not saying that, like, but I didn't think Rudy was bad. Like, I thought Rudy was impactful. A lot of times they drove in the lane and got out. But then they bring Rudy up to guard at 15 feet, and they hit back cuts on him. That's it's pretty hard if you don't defend out on the wing, then they're running off these switches at the top and hitting threes. Like, their offensive rating of all of their lineups is 120 or more. I mean, I can't... I, I know it's not fun for me to say this because, like, but they're... It's, they're, his, they're, like, the greatest offensive collection of talent ever in the history of the game. There's, like, this is not, like, so they've got, like, if we go grab four men lineups, this is going to probably take longer than I have here on the show, but you go grab their top seven four-man lineups, they're all plus 20 or more per 100 possessions, and the offensive rate, plus 20. 
So the offensive rating is all like 120 on every single one of them. Like we kept them to 100. And I think their offensive rating the other night was like 107. Like that was great. Rudy had an impact on the game. Exum on Curry's length will bother Curry. Um, should we increase our three-point attempts on the road? I would love to increase our three-point attempts. Um, I think that that would be a... Um, I think that would be a, a great uh, way to possibly win the game. Uh, partially because of the fact that... Um, it increases variance. But the Warriors are the number one team in the league defending the above the break three. All right, guys. Five, four-man lineup groups. Okay? Four-man lineup groups. Curry, Durant, Iguodala, Thompson. They average, if they played 48 minutes, they'd score 132 points. They're plus 22 per 48 minutes. Well, plus 100, probably about the same. Steph, Draymond, Iguodala, Clay. So Durant out or at least not in the group. They score 132 points. Again, they're plus 23. Curry, Durant, Draymond, Iguodala. They score 131 points per 48 minutes, and they're plus 26. Curry, Durant, Draymond, Clay. They score 127 points per 48 minutes, and they're plus 25. Curry, Durant, Petrulia, Thompson. 127 points. They're plus 25. Of the top 50 scoring four-man units, the only others in the NBA that are plus 20 are none. None. Because Durant, Green, Pachulia, Clay Thompson are plus 20. Curry, Draymond Green, Zaza, Clay Thompson, plus 20. Like, they don't exist. It's not even close to how good anyone else in the league is to them. And when we're in the playoffs and they suddenly have started to reduce the amount of minutes that they have on the floor, then it just gets absurd. If you take the top 250 Four-man groups. The top six in the NBA are all Warriors. The seventh is the Jazz. Gobert, Diaw, Hayward, and Hood. The eighth and ninth are Warriors. So they're eight of the top nine. The only one that's plus 20 other than them is ours. The best four-man units in the NBA, then Beal, Obrey, uh, Kelly Oubre, Porter, and Wall, then a Clipper lineup, then a Celtic lineup, then a Clipper lineup, then two Jazz groups, Gobert, Hill, Hayward, Hill, and Ingles, Gobert, Hayward, Ingles, and Johnson. And then you're back to the Clippers and the Rockets and the Clippers and the Rockets. Like The four-man unit is a great way to look at who's great. And the Warriors have the top six and eight of the top nine, and all and all of them are over 20 but one. 
And their offensive rating in these groups is 122, 120, 121, 119, 121, 124. 119, 121. Like the best in the league is 112. The league average is 104. This is, these are, this is astronomical SH, you know. Their defensive rating in all of these groups is under 100. The best defense in the NBA is not under 100. I mean, the last question I have is, how do you beat the Warriors? I mean, I don't... I mean, I think you play, you hope they have a bad shooting night, and frankly, if Steph's ankle turns out to be a problem, you got a better chance. But I don't think they're going to lose three games in the playoffs. It is locked on Jazz. See what we can do. Going up against Goliath. Maybe we'll be David. Have a good one. The kids are playing and laughing. The house is filled with the life you've worked so hard to build. You are committed to protecting this life and everyone in it. Life insurance from USAA can help. Call 1-800-531-LIFE for a quote. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.